Part 1, Chapter 3 of Tolstoy on Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dakota. Tolstoy on Shakespeare. A critical essay on Shakespeare by Leo Tolstoy. Translated by Valimir Chertov and Isabella Fave Mayo. Part 1, Chapter 3. Such is this celebrated drama. However absurd it may appear in my rendering, which I have endeavored to make as impartial as possible, I may confidently say that in the original it is yet more absurd. For any man of our time, if he were not under the hypnotic suggestion that this drama is at the height of perfection, it would be enough to read it to its end, where he would have sufficient patience for this, to be convinced that Far from being the heart of perfection, it is very bad, carelessly composed production which, if it could have been of interest a certain public at a certain time, cannot evoke among us anything but aversion and weariness. Every reader of our time who is free from the influence of suggestion will also receive exactly the same impression from all other extolled dramas of Shakespeare, not to mention the senseless dramatized tales, Pericles, Twelfth Night, The Tempest, Cymbeline, and Troilus and Cressida. But such free-minded individuals, not inculated with Shakespeare worship, are no longer to be found in our Christian society. Every man of our society and time, from the first period of his conscious life, has been inoculated with the idea that Shakespeare is a genius, a poet, and a dramatist, as well as all his writings are at the height of perfection. Yet, however hopeless as it may seem, I will endeavor to demonstrate the selected drama King Lear, all those faults equally characteristic also of the other tragedies and comedies of Shakespeare, on account of which he is not only is not representing a model of dramatic art, but does not satisfy the most elementary demands of art recognized by all. Dramatic art, according to the laws established by those very critics who extol Shakespeare, demands of the persons represented in the play should be, in consequence of actions proper to their characters, and owing to a natural course of events, placed in positions requiring them to struggle with the surrounding world to which they find themselves in opposition, and in this struggle should display their inherent quality. In King Lear, the persons represented are indeed placed externally in opposition to the outward world and they struggle with it but their strife does not flow from the natural course of events nor from their own characters but it is quite arbitrarily established by the author and therefore cannot produce on the reader the illusion which represents the essential condition of art lear has no necessity or motive for his abdication also having lived all his life with his daughters and no reason to believe the words of his two elders, yet not the truthful statement of the youngest, yet upon this built a whole tragedy of his position. Similarly, unnatural is a subordinate action, the relation of Gloucester to his sons. The positions of Gloucester and Edgar flow from the circumstance that Gloucester, just like Lear, immediately believes that their coarsest untruth, and does not even endeavor to inquire of his injured son whether what he is accused of to be true, but at once curses him and banishes him. 
the fact that lear's relations with his daughters are the same of those as gloucester to his sons makes one feel yet more strongly that in both cases the relations are quite arbitrary and do not flow from the characters nor the natural course of events equally unnatural and obviously invented is the fact that all through the tragedy lear does not recognize his old courtier kent and therefore the relations between lear and kent fail to excite the sympathy of the reader or spectator the same and yet a greater degree holds true the position of edgar who unrecognized by anyone leads his blind father and persuades him that he has leapt off a cliff when in reality Gloucester jumps on level ground. These positions into which the characters are placed are quite arbitrarily are so unnatural that the reader or spectator is unable not only to sympathize with their sufferings, but even to be interested in what he reads or sees. This is the first place. Secondly, in this, as in other dramas of Shakespeare, all of the characters live, think, speak, and act quite unconformably with the given time and place. The action of King Lear takes place 800 years B.C., and yet the characters are placed in conditions possible only in the Middle Ages. Participating in the drama are kings, dukes, armies, and illegitimate children and gentlemen, quarters, doctors, farmers, officers, soldiers, knights with visors, etc. It is possible that such anachronisms with which Shakespeare's dramas abound did not injure possibly of illusion in the 16th century and the beginning of the 17th, but in our time it is no longer possible to follow with interest the development of events which one knows could not take place in these conditions which the author describes in detail. The artificiality of the positions not flowing from the natural course of events or from the nature of the characters and their want of conformity with time and space is further increased by those coarse embellishments which are continually added by Shakespeare and intended to appear particularly touching. The extraordinary storm which King Lear roams about the heath or grass which the same reason puts on his head, like Ophelia in Hamlet or Edgar's attire or the full speeches, or the appearance of the helmeted horseman, Edgar. All of these effects not only fail to enhance the impression, but produce an opposite effect. Man sight die abisht un man veras vermicitum, as Goethe says. It often happens that, even during these obviously international efforts after effects, as for instance, the dragging out by the legs of half a dozen corpses, with which all Shakespeare's tragedies terminate, instead of feeling fear and pity, one is tempted rather to laugh. End of chapter 3